0: You want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 14 through sixteen since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, and we ask that you would bless this time. We know that your word will not return void. Father, please teach us from the scriptures. Through the Holy Spirit, illuminate our minds and bless this time. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, just right up front, just by way of introduction. I'd like us to take a, an introductory glance at these three verses. So if you would, if you look at verse 14, you'll see something there that we are told to do, an, an exhortation um, right away. So if you see it, I hope you, hope you do, verse 14, it is, it's, let us hold fast our confession. Does everyone see that? Okay, and then we have another exhortation. In verse 16, it's, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So, let us hold fast our confession. What is that? That is, it's really, it's perseverance. So, hold fast your confession of faith. Persevere in the faith. Um, That's the first thing that we are told to do. And then in verse 16, we are told to draw near to the throne of grace. To To pray. So, two things we're told to do here in these three verses. We can see it is to pray and to persevere. Now, just from looking at these three verses, why ought we to persevere? Well, because we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. He's a high priest who is unable to sympathize, who is unable. Who is not unable, excuse me, to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Same thing. Why should we pray? What is the motivation to pray? We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. The high priest, Christ himself, is the motivation to persevere and to pray. We pray because of who Christ is, what he has done, and what he continues to do on our behalf. And we persevere, we hold fast because of who Christ is, what he has done, and what he continues to do on our behalf. Uh, Any person who claims to be persevering in the Christian faith uh, maybe shows great signs of zeal. Any person who who claims to be going forward under the flag of Christianity but does not see Christ as the motivation, Christ as the center, um, they're persevering in something but it's not the Christian faith. Uh, And the same thing goes for prayer. Any person who claims to have communion with God, claims to have uh, experiences, this experiential presence of God, the experiencing manifestations of the presence of God, claims to be going to God in prayer, having great emotions, great experiences in worship. Any person who claims those things, But it is not looking at Christ and coming through Christ is having something, but it's not true communion with God. Um, Any person who claims to have these things but does not have Christ does not have God. We we have access to God by the Spirit through the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And... You know, just here, if this Sunday is anything like last Sunday, we know that just here in this town, in this county, in this state, there are services after services of so-called churches who claim to have more revivals than, at the, than they did at the day of Pentecost. Maybe as many as 3,000 or more souls were added to the church. And they claim to have all of these great experiences I mean, that sound amazing. But when you begin to investigate it, there is no gospel there. It is void of of theology. As a matter of fact, they're they're apathetic towards biblical doctrine altogether. It's just emotion after emotion after emotion. Um, And what we can say is is if you don't have God right, you're not having true communion with God. Um, True, experiential, enjoyed communion with the triune God begins with its roots in a proper biblical understanding of who God is. It's important we have a right understanding of the Father, of the Son, the Holy Spirit. And that's why I chose to look at this text tonight. I know the last um, three times I've had the privilege to stand behind the pulpit here. We've talked about things related to... Uh, having experienced in real fellowship with the living God. Uh, and That is important. But but no son or daughter of Adam can have that outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. If not for Christ, being our great high priest, we have no access to God. So I've I've broken down what we're going to look at into three parts. First, I'm going to examine... Who Christ is, is our great high priest. Now, you know, as I've, I've been looking at this, it's, it is such a deep subject. Um, a man could spend his time here for the entirety of his life and never exhaust it. Um, Christ being our high priest. But we're, we're going to look at that because that's what we see here in our text. And it is significant. And then what we're going to do from there is we're going to look at these two exhortations. What it is to hold fast our confession. And thirdly, we'll look at coming to the throne of grace in prayer. What it is to draw near with confidence. Or draw near boldly. So first, verse 14 here. Since we have a great high priest... Now the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says how, I thought this was good, it's a good way to lay it out right up front, how does Christ execute the office of a priest? Answer, Christ executed the office of a priest in his once offering up himself a a sacrifice to satisfy divine judgment and reconcile us to God and in making intercession for us. We have two parts. We have Christ making atonement for us, going to the cross and satisfying the wrath of God on our behalf and going through the heavens, sitting down at the right hand of the majesty on high and continuing to make intercession for His people. this uh, This is a doctrine full of glory. It is. It, it lifts up the Lord of glory. We, we see it here. And um, if I want to say right in front, if you don't get anything else from this time, I hope it encourages each one of us to dig into this subject throughout the week and throughout your own personal time. It is, uh, it is worth our study. There is more to the gospel than T-U-L-I-P. Uh, we need to know the scriptures. And again, this is a... This is a, a deep doctrine. Uh, and, and this concept of Christ being our high priest is the most hated doctrine. It's, it's, you know, so many people in cults and sects, they say, well, we believe that Jesus was a prophet. That's what the Muslims say. Or we believe the Mormons, they have their Jesus. And the, the Yellow Deliers, they have their Jesus. The Seventh-day Adventists, they even have a view of, of Christ being a priest that is wrong. Um, so many people they profess to know Jesus but when you see what they believe about Christ's priestly work you soon see that it's not the Jesus that we know from the Bible Um, Christ is the Lord Jesus is not just a man he is the God man he's not just a prophet and he's not just an example for us to look at Um, and he's also not just a he was not just a revolutionary social justice warrior who, uh, who failed when He went to the cross. The Lord Jesus was, is not a victim, but rather He is the victor. He is the victor. The, the cross of Christ was no mistake or failure, but rather a victory. Uh, in the same way, the Lord Jesus, He did not um, not have the cross as an as a afterthought. But rather, He is the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Christ going to Golgotha was not a plan B, but it was the plan. It's not an accident or anything like that. Uh, Hebrews nine twenty six tells us, He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. That is, He, the Son of God, came into the world, took on flesh for the purpose of dealing with sin at Calvary by sacrificing himself the cross was always the plan the plan from eternity first john 4:10 says that Christ Jesus was sent into the world to be the propitiation for our sins he is the good shepherd who came into the world to lay down his life for his sheep he came as a priest to offer Himself as a sacrifice, a spotless sacrifice in order to save sinners and to placate the wrath of God. Now, Christ, being our great high priest, is a part of Him being our mediator. 1 Timothy 2.5, a verse that we all should be familiar with. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the God-man. He is the mediator. Now, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the people of God knew of the mediator through different types and shadows. Uh, What we have is where we have the Levitical priest, the high priest of Israel as a type of mediator. And he, it pointed to Christ coming, Christ being the true and final mediator. It was only the high priest that could go into the Holy of Holies, the inner part of the sanctuary, the inner part of the tabernacle, and offer sacrifices. And he you know, could only do that one day a year, the Day of Atonement. And there we see he was acting as a mediator where he stood in God's sanctuary between, he stood between God and the people. Again, that pointing to Christ. So he would come and he would bring animal sacrifices and atone for the people's sins. Pointing to Christ as the true and final mediator. Now, the high priests of Israel, as we know, were fallen men. Just men. They were men that were set apart. Special men, men that were anointed. But they were fallen men. And we know that the blood of bulls and of goats had no power. Could never take away sins. Perfection, we're told in Hebrews, was unattainable under the Levitical priesthood. And the Levitical priesthood only ever existed to point towards the perfect high priest, our great high priest, Christ Jesus, the Messiah. The Lord Jesus is a perfect high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who is seated at the right hand of the Father. And again, he ever lives to make intercession for his people. Now, when we talk about Christ being a priest, oftentimes we forget that His atonement is a part of His priestly work. He laid down His life for His people. It was a particular work that Christ did for particular people. Individuals, just as the high priest in Israel, went in with the stones on the breastplate where the the high priest had particular garments that that they were they had to wear ordained by God they would wear these garments and on the breastplate of the garment they had stones where on the stones were graven the the sons of Israel the names of the sons of Israel now we talk about this the concept of limited atonement Um, when we understand that Christ acted as a priest In making atonement for his people, we understand that the priestly work was always something that was done not universally, but for the people of God. And it wasn't just for sin in general, some vague concept of sin, but it was for sins committed, sins in particular, in particular people, and in particular sins committed. And again, Christ's priestly work has two parts. Christ making satisfaction, appeasing the wrath of God, expiating our sin, and Him making intercession in heaven. Now what we need to see is that the author here, he is reminding the original audience of the greatness of Christ Jesus and the greatness of His work. Where Christ Jesus is far superior to any high priest from the Levitical priesthood in the, Old Cus- in the Old Testament. His work far superior to the sacrifices of bulls and goats. Why would they ever turn back? Why should they ever go back to something that uh, was only meant to point to this coming Messiah? And that's what the author is reminding me here. You have a great high priest, he is yours. HE IS YOUR GREAT HIGH PRIEST. WE HAVE A GREAT HIGH PRIEST WHO'S OFFERED HIMSELF UP FOR US AND HE INTERCEDES FOR US. IT'S it's A REMINDER OF THE GREATNESS OF CHRIST AND THE GREATNESS OF HIS WORK. He is before the throne of God for us. He died for us. Though we are are guilty, we have a great high priest who is a mediator between us and a holy God. His blood forever speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Remember the, the blood of Abel. What does the blood of Abel speak? It cries out vengeance, judgment. The wounds of Christ, the blood of Christ cries out, forgive them, have mercy, forgive them, have mercy, pardon them. I died for them. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This great high priest, the Lord Jesus, is a man. He is the God-man, the second person of the Trinity, who took on flesh. He offered sacrifice for sins, and He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. And He is our high priest who intercedes for us, Hebrews 9:24 says he appears before the presence of God for us on our behalf. It's a work that he does, it's a work of free grace. We're told that if any man sins, any Christian, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And all that Christ prays for on our behalf before the Father is always in perfect accord with the Father's perfect will. In interceding for His people, Christ has never lost any cause He pleaded. And Christ before God is always ready to make intercession for us. Daily and continually on behalf of His saints, Christ steps in. When the sinner ought to be consumed by the wrath of God and presents his blood to the Father. And I could go on and on. Go on and on talking about the greatness of Christ, the greatness of this high priest. He is the Almighty, He is the Alpha and the Omega, He is the one who is and who is to come. And He is the priest that is perfect and without sin. We have a great high priest who's full of mercy, full of mercy. Now, if you would, just look over here to uh, chapter 5. Verse 1 it says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Now, these are the, these are the high priests, the Levitical high priests. What they did, they were men who because they were sinners, they're saying that they were beset with weakness. We have a Savior who, was, who never failed to sin. But it, it says here, that it talks about how the high priest could, could deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. How much more the Son of God, how much more our Savior can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward? He is one who who took upon himself the form of a bondservant. He was despised and rejected by men. He was hated, spit upon, mocked, and yet never gave in to temptation. Every point he endured temptation. He understands our infirmity. He understands the hardships of life. We have a great high priest who can understand and sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been without sin. He's been tempted as we are yet without sin. He is a champion and a victor that we can look to. And who understands us. He looks upon His people with He looks upon His people with mercy. And He loves His people. We have a great high priest who loves us. Christ loves His people. Not only does He die for His people, but He continues loving His people even now. He is at work in heaven for His people. And... It's, it, I mean, it's hard to do something like this justice, because what we see here is the writer of the Hebrews, is putting up Christ and saying, "Look at Christ. Look at all that you have in this great high priest and all that he has done for you. All the act of free grace. You are not worthy. You are not deserving. But look at Christ. Look at this one who doesn't change. Look at this one who is always faithful. Look at this one who has made a perfect sacrifice. It will not be that in some, uh, some point in eternity future that the uh, effectiveness of the atonement of Christ loses its, its value and worth where another sacrifice has to be made. That will not be the case. He has offered one sacrifice forever, and it is enough. And it is enough. He is our great high priest, and He continues to make intercession for His people. He takes care of His people and all of their needs. Everything that He has done for us is enough. And God is working all things together for those who are united to Christ. All things together for good for those who are in Christ. We are accepted in this great high priest. We have access to God in this great high priest. All the blessings are ours in this great high priest. We are accepted in the Beloved. We are loved dearly as sons because of Christ. Because of what He has done. And what He continues to do. But let's, let's move on. So that's, that's, the, that's the motivation. That we look to this Savior. And we need to learn more about this Savior. It's not something that we can ever exhaust. As I said before, there's more than T-U-L-I-P. We need to dig into the gospel and go deeper into the gospel and realize that all throughout the Old Testament we have types and shadows of the gospel that continue to teach us more and more of who the Lord Jesus is and more and more of, of the glorious gospel and what he, he has done for us and what He's continuing to do for us. But Let's look at this first exhortation in verse 14. Let us hold fast the confession of, of our faith. Let us hold fast. Because of all that we have in Christ, do not shrink back. The author here is telling the, the, the original Christian Hebrew Christian audience here: do not shrink back to the old Levitical system, to the old ways of, of Judaism. Do not go back to lesser things. Do not leave the faith. Do not fall away. Do not give up. Don't forsake the gospel. Don't lose hope. Don't fall into sin. Don't go back to ritualism and traditionalism and things that have no power to save. Do not leave the faith. Do not disobey God. But rather, since we have the Lord Jesus, this great high priest, Let us hold fast the confession of our faith. Since we have a great and faithful high priest, let us hold fast. The word there means to hold tightly with with physical force and strength. To not let go with might. Hold fast. If you think of, of someone who is climbing a mountain, And and the rope breaks. And they're holding on to a cliff with everything they have. And if they let go, they're done. Even more so with, with this. We have, not only do we have every reason to not let go, but we have every reason to hold on. Every reason to persevere in the faith. To keep holding on. Now perhaps this week, or this past week, the week before that, uh, perhaps you are struggling with things that you're ashamed of. Things that you don't want to share because you're so ashamed of them. Things that, things that you hate things that you're doing, that you you want to let go. Perhaps you are sliding into apostasy. Perhaps you know that very clearly. Perhaps it's obvious not only to others around you, but you know it, that you are sliding into apostasy. Understand that, that you have every reason to come back to the Lord and to hold fast because you have a great high priest. You have a great high priest in heaven. And you are accepted in the Lord Jesus. So persevere. Hold fast. We talks about the word confession. It's really, in the original, it's talk it's really a, a word of agreement. Where everything, the Hebrew writer is, is saying here to the audience that everything. That you have agreed to. That you see is right. Where you see these things about the Lord Jesus. You know they are true. Do not let them go. Hold fast to them. So just like we heard this morning that Christ is our king. We know that Christ, he's, our, he's the prophet. He declares unto us who God is. We know that he is our great high priest. Do not forget. Do not let go. Do not run to something else. Do not run to lesser things, but hold on and hold fast and keep believing. Keep repenting and keep looking at the Lord Jesus. Keep looking at the Lord Jesus. Now, let's look at the second exhortation. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How is it that we can draw near to God in prayer? How dare sinners come to God in prayer? How how dare you? What gives you the the audacity to think that you an unworthy sinner in all that you have done this week what gives you the audacity to think that you can draw near to this holy god how can such a thing be said what's the answer it's because we have a great high priest his work is not a work that's done because we are worthy but rather he looks upon us and he he sees our poverty he looks upon us and pities us. He sees, he sees the sickness and the infirmity of our, of our sin sick souls. And He looks upon us with mercy. And we can come and we can pray with confidence. Not frivolity. Not um, irreverence. But we can come with confidence knowing that we, we are in Christ. That we are united to Christ. And that we are loved as sons. So we draw near. We draw near. That, that word draw near, it's, it's something that the unbeliever doesn't have. So you remember the, the publican who, who, who beats on his breast. The scripture tells us there in Luke that he, he, he was a man who was far off when he beat on his breast. And then he left. He went home justified. The justified man is not far off, but the justified man is near. In Christ we have been brought near into the family of God and we are loved as sons. But it's all because of Christ. Apart from him we have no part with God. That's why it's so important that we have a right understanding of Him laying down His life for us, Him interceding for us. It's all about Christ for us. Apart from the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world, we have no hope. Apart from Christ Jesus laying down His life, shedding His blood for sinners, we have no no hope. But we can come We can come near to the throne of grace. John Bunyan is really good on this topic where he talks about there are different thrones. There's a throne of judgment. but We come to the throne of grace. As believers, we come and we receive grace from God. We come and we draw near with confidence. So remember this week that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. What's that talking It's it's talking about the richness of the mercy of God. Day after day we have, each one of us maybe we're, maybe you're so blind that you don't know this if so that's probably, that's a problem. But each one of us has a rap sheet that's that's terrible day after day. And I, I don't say that to dismiss sin in any way. It's terrible. But we are told that if we confess our sins, He is faithful, just like we heard last Sunday night. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And just simply what I want us to see in this text, that because of who Christ is, because of what He has done for us and what He continues to do for us, because of all that we have in Christ, we can come. We don't have to wait. Paul Washer talks about... uh, how, how people put themselves in a penalty box. Well, once I, once I do these uh, practical religious duties and I get this in line and I do devotions for two or three days in a row and I pray and I, get, and I check off these things, then I'll come. Or once I feel bad or I, or I lay around in the bed and eat a couple jugs of ice cream or whatever the case may be, then I'll get right. Or after I'll, I'll, I'll wallow in, in depression and pity or whatever till Sunday and then Monday, next Monday, I'll start over. We don't have to do that. Because we have a great high priest who has died for us, has paid for our sins. Our sins are dealt with. The the wrath of God has been satisfied. And when, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father who says, I died for him. Pardon his sins. Pardon his sins. The law has been satisfied. I have satisfied the law. His debt has been paid. Pardon him, and and that's that's what happens. We can come, and we can come to Christ. There's no reason, this week, that we can't have the devotional life of of David Brainerd or or Paul Washer or whoever. God is not a respecter of persons. We have a Savior. There's there's not different classes of Christians. We have a Savior who has dealt with our sin, and we are loved dearly by our Savior. So let's keep that in mind this coming week. That we can come with confidence knowing that we are accepted in the Beloved. That we can come right into the presence of God and we can pray. And we are loved. And our prayers are, are heard because Christ takes our petitions to the Father and nothing that Christ brings is ever denied. Christ loves us and we're accepted in Him and we are blessed Continue to look to the Lord Jesus. One other thought is, again, this topic I'm going to probably talk about again for the next several sermons, but I'd like to, continue to encourage everyone to study, study this topic, the intercessory work of Christ, what it is to have access to God. That we can pray to God. And remember that prayer is a privilege. It is a privilege to pray.